Hey, thanks for joining us at Praise Chapel. We hope you enjoy this message from our midweek service with Pastor David Tijerina. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Thank God for his anointing tonight. How many came expecting God to move? Praise God. Praise God. God is good. Let's just pray. Father, I just thank you, God, for this opportunity, God. I am humble, Lord, that you would use me tonight. I pray, God, that uh, your anointing will continue to flow as it has been. Uh, God, I pray that you will touch your people tonight. Stir our hearts for the things of God. Lord, that Jesus will receive all the glory through this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Less than a week away. How many know what that means? I remember I used to be a late shopper. I used to shop on the 24th of December. (laughs) And we're still not even, we haven't even really started. But how many know Christmas is not a joyful season? Am I the only one that thinks that way? It's not. It's a stressful season. It can be depressing. People are filled with anxiety. People are depressed. Some people are so in debt with credit cards, they're thinking, you know what, maybe if I just died, my wife can collect the life insurance and we can pay off some bills. I've lost more Christians during the Christmas season than any other season because they're so overwhelmed. How I many know life can be overwhelming? And I've noticed in life that people that backslide, they, have, they, they lose the two main ingredients of Christianity. How I many know the first one is purpose? How many know you and I need to have a purpose? How many know our purpose is to go ye into all the world? How many know there's no other purpose? I know we live our lives. I know we have to work to get money to pay the bills. But how many know our ultimate purpose is to bring glory to God by preaching the gospel? Okay, there's nothing else. It's not in ministry. It's not in this. and not, not even going to church. Going to church can be depressing if you don't have these two things going on. Okay, the first one is purpose. But the problem is there's many people that have purpose but aren't spirit-driven. Spirit okay, everybody get that? They have a purpose, but God didn't direct them in that direction. They have a purpose, they're successful, they have their careers, or they have their family, but it's not driven by the Spirit of God. I'm in a weird season right now where I know my purpose, but, uh, uh, but I'm in a... In a season of waiting. And I am like biting my I'm I mean I have no nails. And I'm you know, I, God put me with Pastor Omar for a reason to learn teach me to calm down. Right. Be patient. Cause I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And God says, No, wait. I'm not ready yet. And I'm honestly, I'm like, okay, God, when? How long? When? Come on, do something. I have a purpose. And he goes, you just keep on waiting. Because it's not in your timing, it's in my timing. 
Okay, and the second thing, here's a purpose, okay? So I remember the book, The Purpose Driven Church, not to knock it down, but there's more than just having a purpose. It's got to be driven by the Spirit of God. It has to be driven by the Spirit of God. You can't come up with your own purpose. All right, it's got to be driven by the Spirit of God. The second thing is passion. I want to tell you, there's a lot of church people that go to church with a purpose but have no passion, and people don't believe them. How many know a, a football fan... They'll dress up in all their, the, the uniform of their team. I've seen guys in Green Bay. How many know Green Bay's got the most psychotic, crazy fans in the world? It is doggone below zero degrees. They take off their shirts. They paint their bodies green or yellow with a big G uh, on their belly. And they're going, it's, it's snowing, it's icicles all over, and they're doggone with just pants on. <laughs> How many know that's passion for your team? Can we get some passion for Jesus? <laughs> I want to tell you, I've seen some of the most depressing worship services at church. We will cheer for the Lakers. We will cheer for the Rams. We will cheer for... I don't know who cheers for the Raiders, but we will cheer. <laughs> but how many know we cheer for so many other things, but when it comes to church, we're just like... And then when we hit the struggle... It's easy to quit because we don't, we, we don't, how do know what passion is? Okay, listen, purpose, the reason for which something exists or is done, what matters most, that's my purpose. Me being a father and a husband to my wife, to my children, that's my purpose. Me being a pastor, that's God's purpose driving me, that no matter what happens, that's my calling, that's my purpose. Passion, intense emotional drive or excitement. Have you ever seen Christians Hi, I want to tell you about Jesus. <laughs> I don't want to know your Jesus. I want to know my Jesus. My Jesus is exciting. My Jesus says, uh, go into all the world and preach the gospel, and all these signs and wonders are going to follow you. Okay, so when there is passion and excitement, when these two come together, there is an ignition, and this ignition is contagious. I know Christianity is contagious. Can I tell you something? If you're not fruitful, maybe you're lacking passion or you're lacking purpose. People backslide because they don't have those two things working in their lives. How many know passion is? I believe what my purpose is, and that is serving Jesus. I'm passionate about that. Do people believe you when you tell them? Ooh, no amens on that one. Do people believe you when you tell them that you're a Christian and you're fired up and you want to see them saved? <laughs> William Barclay once says there are two great days in a person's life, the day they were born and the day to discover why. I've seen people that didn't discover until they were 50, 60 years old. They finally discovered, now I know why I'm living. I've seen pastors pastor 20, 30 years on the 31st now I know why I'm pastoring. It's an incredible thing when you finally begin to realize. Uh, but once you find your purpose, you're going to have to learn something real quick. You know why people, people, people quit? How many, I know why people just give up? 
in Christianity, you're going to have to learn something real quick. And it's found in Ecclesiastes 3.1. And I know I have it up there. It says, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And I believe tonight that many people fail to finish their course because of this. They never learn to distinguish the season that they're going through right now. They'll live their whole Christian life in the same season. It's bleak. How many know Christianity is not struggles every single day? How many know Christianity is not blessing every single day? But how many know Christianity is not being poor every day? It can be frustrating if you don't realize what season you're in. And so you get stuck in that season. And what happens, you begin to get blocked down. The devil begins to lie to you and lie to you. And here's the problem. You all ready for this? His lies are so good, you begin to think they're yours. I think y'all missed that one. He's, he's so good at convincing you that you begin to think it's you. Why are you even serving God? Why? Yeah, I still go back to Pastor Omar's sermon when we had Carly. It's, it's so good. But see, he takes it a step further. It's no longer him speaking into your ear. It's now you talking to yourself those same lies. You're not good. You call yourself a Christian. Look at look what you just did. Look what I and then now I'm saying, man, look what I just did. Why am I going to church? Now I gotta go to church and face all those people, and they're all gonna know I just messed up. We don't know what you're doing. We don't have spies out there checking us. Oh, my God. They, uh, Pastor Omar, I saw them. They had a cigar. <laughs> I've noticed through the years that people get stuck in season. God moves on. And we're still stuck here. And he's going, God, how many know God's moving? How many know God doesn't stop? How many know the will of God is moving continually? People get sidetracked, people quit, people give up, but how many know God's still moving? How many know the kingdom is still moving forward? And God's moving forward. Looks like, where's David at? Where'd he go? I, I swear he was just, have you ever ran, you've been running with somebody and you thought they were right there and then you look back and you're like, what? Where are they at? You know, God's not surprised by us not being there. Because he'll make a way to get us back on track. But he looks back and says, why are you still stuck there? That already came and gone. But you're still dwelling in the same spot. See, we get stuck and we get in a rut and we fail to distinguish that the season has passed. Paul says, keep on moving. See, as, as a people of God, we need to learn to distinguish that. You know, my, my, my real good friend Danny, he's a farmer in, in Phoenix, and they just got done harvesting. He, gets, he says, I get a two-week two week vacation. And I'm like, two weeks? He goes, yeah, because he goes, we have to start planning in early January. And, 
And he, I said, why? He goes, because there's only a small window of opportunity. He said, if you miss it, you miss the whole season. He says, you'll get outdone. He says, we've gotten technology so good that we, they're always ahead of everybody else because they hit the window at the right time. I mean, no, you and I have to learn that sometimes there's a small window of opportunity when a season comes. A small window. That means that window's going to close quickly. Paul got an opportunity to do something great in his life. When Jesus knocked him off uh, his horse or knocked him down or whatever, Paul, what would you have me to do, Lord? Small window of opportunity right there, and he took it. And oftentimes, you and I need to distinguish and know that sometimes there are small windows. You're in your rut. You're going through hell right now. I wouldn't be looking at what I'm going through. I would be keeping my eyes out open for the opportunity that God is going to send my way to get me out of there. See, sometimes we're so caught up that we miss the opportunities. It came. It was right there. God said, I sent it to you and you missed it. But God, you don't understand. Does the rich young ruler ring a bell? Here's a young man came to Jesus. Lord, I kept all the commandments. I've done everything that I'm supposed to do. What else must I do? He goes, go sell all and give to the poor and come follow me. And he goes away. He lost that small window of opportunity. Windows come, windows go. But you need to know how to distinguish the times and the seasons. You need to know where you're at in life. Uh, yes, there's winters. And, and you know, I, I, I'm, I'm putting this sermon together. And I'm like, you know what? I'm sure that there's some people in L.A. who are from L.A. who've never been out of L.A. How many know if you don't know what seasons are, you totally can miss this scripture right here? So what I've done, guys, are we ready? Our wonderful uh, 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 media team back there. They're, they're prepared. They're, these guys are awesome. These guys are awesome, man. They are ready. So what, what I want to do, this is a 45-second clip. I want to show you seasons real quick. And I'm not trying to be funny. I just, I, I, I really need, I need people to get this. So, so go for it, guys. Okay, stop it right there. Pause it. This is winter. You guys pause it right there. That's winter. Okay, many people haven't. Don't know what snow is. Can I tell you, snow is not getting a bunch of icicles from your refrigerator, crushing them, throwing them up in the air, and saying, oh, it's snowy. People hate winter. But there's people that love winter. You got snowball fights. You have ice skating. You have skiing. You have cross-country skiing. There's a lot of things to, to do in winter. There's ice fishing if you're a fisherman. There's hunting. And see, the thing about winter is there's certain, thing of, certain things about winter that a lot of people don't know. Do you know that you can't make a snowball unless there's moisture in the air? 
That's what makes the snow pack. When it gets too cold and there's no moisture in the air, you hear, that sounded like my wedding day. It was the coldest day of the year in Michigan. We're getting out of the car. And then we get inside. They forgot to turn the heater on. It is below zero. It took three hours. By the time it warmed up in there, the party was over. <laughs> but you see, there's, there's different things about winter that if you didn't know, you'd miss out. There are people go out there, and it's cold outside. There's no moisture, and they're trying to make a snowball. What the heck? They're trying to make a snowman. They can't make a snowman. There's no moisture in the air. Praise God. Go ahead and play it, guys. This is winter, one of the four seasons. This is spring. As the, as the snow begins to melt, all of a sudden the trees begin to bloom. Grass begins to turn green. Birds begin to chirp. Look at that. It's just it's beautiful. Wow. I know some of you, wow, that really happens? Yeah. <laughs> it really happens. <laughs> and then summertime comes and then fall. They actually change color. The leaves, and then they begin to fall, and then we're back going into winter. Thank you, guys. <laughs> How do you like that video? That was good, huh? So if you've never, if you've never seen that before, that's the Four Seasons. <laughs> so, so there was a man, and you guys probably might have heard this, but there was a man who had four sons. And he wanted to say, I got to turn it this way because I can't see like I used to see. <laughs> and so here's a bad thing. I, I, I put it at 16 font and it printed up 12 font. I'm like, what the heck? Like, I just, I tell you. So he had four sons. He wanted his sons to learn not to judge things too quickly. So he sent them each on a quest in turn to go out and look at a pear tree that was a great distance off. The first son went in the winter the second son in the spring, the third in the summer, and the youngest son in the fall. When they had all gone and come back, he called them together to describe what they had seen. The first son said that the tree was ugly, bent, and twisted. The second son said that no, it was covered with green buds and full of promise. The third son disagreed. He said it was laden with blossoms that smelled so sweet and looked so beautiful. It was the most graceful thing he had ever seen. The last son disagreed with them, with all of them. He said it was ripe and drooping with fruit, uh, full of life and fulfillment. The man then explained to his son that they were all right uh, because they had each seen but only one season in the tree's life. He told them that you cannot judge a tree or a person or your life uh, by only one season that, and that the essence of who they are and the pleasures, joy, and love that come from the life can only be measured at the end when all the seasons are up. If you give up, in, if you give up when it's winter, you will miss the promise of your spring, the beauty of your summer, and the fulfillment of your fall. Don't let the pain of one season destroy the joy of all the rest. Don't judge your life by one difficult season and persevere through the difficult patches and better times are sure to come sometime later. And so 
The problem is, is that there's people stuck in winter and can't see the promise of spring yet. And so we begin to question. We begin to have a difficult time with ourselves, our situations, and with God. Okay, stay with me. I've learned in life, church, and after being saved 30 years, that God will oftentimes put us in impossible situations to test us. See, what God wants most of all from our lives is our trust. He wants your confidence in him. He wants you to rest in his promises, in his word, and in his spirit. And he will place you in impossible situations where there, there is no other way unless God moves. He did this constantly to the children of Israel. Time and time again, he would put them in impossible situations because he wanted them to cry out to him. The Red Sea is one of them. Here they come to the Red Sea. There's two mountains on both sides. There's an impassable Red Sea in front of them. The Egyptians are roaring behind them. They're mad. They're angry. They want to kill the children of Israel. They are right there in an impossible situation. That unless God moves by a miracle... They are doomed. There's nothing and there's no hope for them after that. And when they came to that situation, there was one of two things that they could have done. The first one is they could have just fell onto their knees and said, Oh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God that just delivered us out of the hands of the Egyptians. Oh, God, we give you all the praise and the glory, God. We know that you are the almighty God, able to deliver us again out of the hands of the Egyptians. See, I believe if they would have done that, the Red Sea would have parted right away and they could have crossed uh, 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 right there and then. See, on the other side, the Bible says that they begin to sing. They begin to have the victory dance. Ever seen the victory dance? Woo! Praise the Lord, oh my soul. All within me, bless his name. <laughs> Miriam has a tambourine. They're, all the women are dancing and singing. They're rejoicing. How many know it's easy to sing when the trial is already over? And so well, what happened was, and I wish I could have came up with this, but I heard this from an old preacher read the, 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 the saying, you know, they sang the right song on the wrong side. See, it's easy to sing when the trial's over. It's easy to sing when your enemies are dead. How much more powerful would it have been to sing on the right, the right song on the right side? Amen. I'm glad somebody got some excitement in here. That when you're coming up to the trial, you see the Red Sea in front of you. You see walls behind you and the devil's on your tail. And you begin, oh, Jesus, help me, Lord. 
God, you've helped me before. You've delivered me. You've set me free. See, what God is looking for you and I to put trust and confidence and to rest. Rest, not stress. To rest in his word. To rest in his promises uh, that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. To rest on his word uh, that I will turn everything for the good of those that love me. Uh, to, to rest on his word that if two agree on touching anything, uh, then it will come to pass. Uh, oh, church, he's looking. For a people that will sing the right song on the right side. So that you can get over that season. And that you can begin to move and say, oh my God, there is spring. Oh Jesus, there is spring. I see hope. How many know Jesus is our hope tonight? How many know Jesus, there's no other hope? The Bible says that Jesus is our only hope of glory. He's it. There's nothing, there's nothing I can do. He's already done it all. All he's looking is for me to put all my trust and confidence in him that he's going to get me through this. And if not, he's still God. Amen. Somebody going to get excited now. That my God is able to get me through this. But if not, I am confident, God, that you're still God. You're still God. You know what? How many know he did everything he needed to do when he died on the cross? He didn't promise anything else. You know, you know how come I don't believe in this uh, uh, prosperity? God, where God wants us to be rich. You know, maybe, you know, name me a disciple that was rich. I want to talk to any pastor that preaches that. Name me a pastor that was, I mean, a, 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 a disciple that was rich. No, I think they were all persecuted, brother. I think they were all hurt. I think they were. I don't think their whole purpose in life was to receive the blessings of God. I think their whole purpose in life was to preach the gospel and to launch churches out into the harvest field. How many know we can be deceived pretty easy? We can be deceived pretty easy. See, we have to come to a place where I can say with confidence. Uh, well, Zechariah said in 4, 6, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. That no matter what's going on in my life, that God, you're going to move. God, you're going to, you know, if, if I can't stand for God living in the United States, imagine all the persecuted churches around the world. They're in prison serving God. They're getting beheaded serving God. See, we need to realize what Jesus himself said in John 16, 33. In the world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Are y'all still with me this, this evening? Y'all still with me? Huh? Praise God. It's going to get a little tougher here. <laughs> How many know we don't like persecution? We don't like tribulation. We don't like tribulation. How many know we want sunshine and rose petals? But can I tell you something? Rose petals dry up and shiver and smell. Paul went through some tribulations. 
Paul went through some struggles. He was beaten. He was thrown in prison. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned. But he held on strong till the end. You know, my, my friend was also telling me that one of the problems that farmers encounter is overwatering. They water and water and water, and what happens is that the plants get comfortable. And so they get comfortable to the point that they say, why should I produce? Hey, all the other disciples are doing it. Why should I produce? Pastor Omar, keep preaching. You fill me up, Pastor. Keep, oh, my pastor. Keep preaching, Lord. Keep preaching, Pastor. And we grow comfortable in church. Now, I know not Praise Chapel Paramount. You know, we're just, uh, you know, we're just, uh, uh. But I've got everything I need. I got evangelist digger. I got Pastor Isaac and Pastor Rudy. Pastor Dave, sometimes you're a little bit tough and you're leaving anyway, so <laughs> praise the Lord. I'll get I'll get comfortable. See what happens is when the harvest time is approaching. They have the beautiful feel, but no fruit. And so what they have to do in order to produce better fruit, y'all ready for this? They have to stress out the fruit by not watering it. They keep an eye on it. They're watching the plant. And they'll go days without watering it. And the plant's like, <laughs> and so what is forcing the, 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 the plant to do, the melons, is to grow their roots deeper and reach farther down. And all of a sudden they begin to hit the rich minerals that weren't up a little bit higher. And all of a sudden their blooms begin to bloom a little bit brighter. And they said, okay, now we begin to water it. And all of a sudden, it said, all these melons begin to produce. And they're like, oh, yeah, baby, we hit the jackpot. <laughs> and how many know that there's times in our life when God says, you know what? You're not producing. See, he tells us these parables of the, of the things that don't produce. They're cut off and cast out. He says, I've called you to produce fruit. I've called you to be fruitful. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Go ye and what? Make disciples. He says, I've called you. He goes, uh, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, we, 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 we won't cut the branches for praise chapel. We're praise chapel. How many fellowships come and go? Thank God we got great leadership, but how many know that God still wants us to produce no matter how great we think we are? It's not about how great we think we are. It's are we bringing God glory by producing fruit? Yeah. Are y'all with me? Some people get excited. The other ones are... <laughs> See, another problem that he told me about was nematodes. Nematodes is a 
problem where the roots begin to knot up underneath and it keeps the nutrients from growing to the blossom. It likes it themselves. So instead of going to the fruit, they keep it to themselves. How many know there's a lot of Christians like that? I like it all to myself. I don't want to give. And then one more. Can I talk about one more real quick? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> okay, the third one is he says that they'll look out into the field and they'll do all this and then they'll see all the blossoms and they say, oh my God, look at this. But he goes, it's not until the middle of the harvest that they begin to realize that there are a lot of volunteer melon plants. The volunteer melon plants, they never commit. And so they never produce the fruit. How many know churches are full of volunteers? Oh, man, no amens on that one. I got <laughs> Well, I just volunteered for children's church. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. It's people that just volunteer by showing up at church. They never produce fruit. They look pretty. Have you seen pretty Christians? <laughs> I met some the other day. They're beautiful. I was like, wow, they got a beautiful smile. Their, their, their hair was nice and done and like, you know, old-fashioned. And, and, and they, you know, the, the dress was way down. She was, oh, brother, praise the Lord. And I'm like, wow, praise. No fruit. No fruit. He goes, man, the field looks so pretty and, and we're just expecting the great harvest. But when the harvest comes, there's nothing that's being produced because they're just volunteers. They never commit to Jesus. How I many know it's not about committing to the church? It's about committing to Jesus. And when you commit to Jesus, you begin to give yourself to this and to that. Where can I serve? What can I do? Uh, you know, Pastor Omar and I are from the same cloth. What can I do? We're always at the church. Why? Because we're, we have the passion and we have the purpose and we just want to serve. We want to be where God is. Oh, Pastor, I got to get my children to, to home. Uh, yeah, but you know, when, when you go out somewhere, you keep them out late. But church thing is, oh, pastor's oh, 848, come on, we gotta get home. It's school night, it's school night. Yeah, but how about when you're with your uncles and your cousins, you're out of town, keeping up your kids all late, but church, oh, we gotta, we got a time limit. And we begin to limit God. God wants to move. God wants revival. We say, God, bring revival, but we want out of here by nine. Oh, don't let me talk about Sundays. Pastor, come on, man. The game's on. And then you wonder why you're struggling in your marriage. You wonder why your kids aren't saved. You wonder why there's struggles in your life is because you don't have the passion. It's not, I'm not being mean. I'm not being mean. I'm just saying I, I know what it means to be saved. I don't want you cut off. See, we, we could sugarcoat it. Oh, praise the Lord. God's going to go. You're in the season. God's going to get you out of the season. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> but how many know that's false doctrine? Because the Bible says that your eyes be enlightened to what? 
The hope, his hope, him. You got to be right with Jesus. You want to get out of the season, you got to get uh, get right with God. Y'all want, y'all ready for this? Y'all want revival? What does the, the New Testament say? That repentance starts where? In the house of God. See, what God is looking for this evening, listen to me. Here is the children of Israel, time and time again, he found them, he put them in spots where they had to trust him. And all he's looking for is a people that would cry out to him. He's looking tonight, ready for this, for a testimony. If it's not you and me, who else is going to give God a testimony of his goodness, of his grace, of his love? Oh, I was in an impossible situation, but my God delivered me. Oh, look at Daniel chapter 6. I didn't put it up there, but you can read it on your own. Here, the next morning, the king, king rises up. Oh, Daniel, did your king save you like last time? Yes, dear king, I'm here. I've done nothing wrong. I'm still alive. My God delivered me. He came down, sent angels down. He shut the mouth of the lions, and I am still here by the power of God. That's a testimony. It was Shamrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love that story. You know what? He is God, but if not, he's able to deliver us, but if not, he's still God, king. I'm not going to bow down to you, fool. You a fool. You're going to die. You're going to go to hell. You're going you're gonna to be eaten by worms because you ain't right with God. We're right with God. Throw us in the fire. If we burn, we're going with God. If he delivers us, then we're going to come back. See, <laughs> He puts you and I in situations where we cry out to him. We can have the, the, the musicians come up. He puts you and I in a situation so we can get, begin to establish a testimony. So that we will have something to look at. Look, he's delivered me. I had marital problems, but God, you delivered me. You're changing my life. Quit praying, oh God, change her. Start praying, God, change me. Stop praying, oh, God, change my kid's heart. Uh, God, help me to be a testimony to my kids so that they know that you are true and you are living. How many know if you're sold out to God, your kids will follow? Oh, I don't know, Pat. You know what? You got two pastors here. Like prime examples. Three pastors. Four pastors here. Oh, prime examples. We're living for God. And guess what? Our kids are living for God. Yes, I know that there's struggles. I know. We just got to get back over here, boy. <laughs> Romans 5. I'm going to close with this. Three, three, Romans 5, 3 to 5. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God loves you. God cares about you. And he wants you to get out of your rut. And oftentimes, 
It's just, God, forgive me for not trusting you. Forgive me for not having confidence in you. Forgive me, God, for looking at everything else around me and not keeping my eyes on you. Tonight, there's a small window of opportunity opening up for you right now. And I want to tell you, there's, this anointing does not come all the time. There's an anointing here right now. God wants to touch you tonight. God wants to set you free tonight. But he is dealing with you. The Spirit of God is dealing with you right now. And he's saying, do you want to continue to live like that? Or do you want to allow my spirit to change you and transform you and make you the person that I've called you to be? Tonight is your night for deliverance. If I can have every head bowed and every eye closed and reverence to God here tonight. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.